Hey, this is Jeremy Isaacs, lead pastor of Generations Church, where we want to live like it matters. For more information about our church, you can visit us at g.church. We hope you're encouraged by today's message. Thanks again for listening. When I think about a how-to guide. Over the last couple of weeks, Pastor Jeremy has talked about the, the Ikea box, right? You get the box of furniture from Ikea. Maybe it's box one of three, and then you have to get box two of three, and box three of three, and you got a thousand pieces, and he always talks about how he ends up with a couple extra pieces at the end, and he doesn't know if that's okay. And I'm going to go ahead and tell you, Pastor Jeremy, it's not okay. You're not supposed to have a bunch of extra pieces left over when you finish. When Pastor Jeremy, I've known Pastor Jeremy for about 13 years now, And when we do projects like Ikea Furniture together, we have a little bit of a different approach to things. His is, I can see the picture on the front of the instructions. And if I can see that picture, why open the instructions? I'm smart enough to figure this out. And nine times out of 10, he is. He's smart. He's great at things like that. But my approach is a little different. When I get the instructions, I open the instructions. And before I even do the first step, I open every box and I take every piece out of the box and I lay it out in the order that I'm going to need it. And so what Ikea usually does is they either number the pieces or they put a letter on the piece. So this is piece A, this is piece B. There's like six pieces of PC because that's the shelves that go inside the bookshelf and they're all the same. And so I'll stack them all together and then piece D, and I put them all in the order, and I lay them out, and then I take the hardware that's in this massive jumbled box, and I put it all in the pile so that I know I can get to everything, and then once I've done that, I'm going to look through the instruction manual once just to kind of get my head wrapped around where we're headed, and then I'm going to go, and I'm going to start piece one. Now, Pastor Jeremy and I have stopped doing projects together because when I do that, it drives him nuts, and when he's just like, let's just start, and we'll figure it out as we go, that drives me nuts. And so I'm like, you know what, I'll do, the, I'll do the stuff, I'll put the projects together, I'll build the furniture because I want it to be able to hold you when you sit in the chair in the lobby, right? I know, I'm sorry, he's never going to allow me to speak again. But how-to guides, when I think about the Bible as a how-to guide, I'm a very literal person. And so for a lot of my life, as I've looked to the Bible as my guide in life, I've taken a lot of things very literally. And I'm like, well, if this is what the Bible says, then this is what I have to do. And if the Bible says don't do this, then I can't do that. And I kind of built this Christian life to be lived in this box for so much of my life of the Bible's just this list of rules, right? Can anybody else relate to that? You don't have to raise your hand. It's okay. I'm the only one. That's fine. But we do that sometimes. We, we put it into, well, the Bible. I don't want to read the Bible because all it's going to do is make me feel bad. And I don't want to read the Bible because all it's going to do is tell me the things that I'm doing that I'm doing wrong and I shouldn't be doing those things. And about four or five years ago, I kind of had this moment of realization that gave me a new appreciation for studying God's word, that the Bible is not just a list of rules. And don't hear what I'm not saying. There are rules in the Bible, right? The Ten Commandments are a list of rules. But I I saw the Bible as not just this list of rules, but I saw this by the Bible as this guide to an incredible life. The adventures that are taken in the Bible, the excitement that happens in the stories, the fun that I can have as I study the Bible gave me this new appreciation that is not just a list of rules, it's really this guide to an incredible life in Christ. And so when I did that, I started studying it differently and I started looking at it differently. And this is dangerous for a pastor to say before he's going to spend the next 21-ish minutes talking to you. But here's what I want to encourage you with coming out of this how-to guide series 
is I really want you to take the Bible and I want you to open it for yourself and not just take the word of what a pastor says of this is what the Bible is and this is how I should live. And so again, I want you to listen to me the next 20 months. Just get up and leave and say, well, I don't need to listen to Pastor Trevor. But I do want you to take the Bible and I want you to open it for yourself and I want you to dig into it and figure out for you in your life, what is the guide that God is setting up out of scripture for your life? What are the things that God's calling you to? What are the adventures that God's wanting to do in and through your life? And so in how-to guide today, specifically, we're going to be talking about the Bible as a how-to guide into friendship. And I love talking about friendship. I love the idea of community. I love the idea of relationship with one another. It's the importance of the church. If, if the shutdown of 2020 taught us anything, it taught us that, yes, we can still have our relationship with God alone at home, watching church on a TV. But man, it taught me and it taught my wife the value of community. The value of being in a corporate worship setting, the value of being in a small group of people sitting in a living room sharing a meal or in a restaurant and laughing together or in a community group in a, in a restaurant or whatever it may be. It taught us the value of friendship. And so today, I really want to dig into what the Bible would have for each and every one of us today. On what does it look like for us to have friendships? And so I want to read out of Ecclesiastes chapter 4. If you've got your Bible or your smartphone, you can flip there. As you're flipping there today, I'll be reading out of the NIV version. So if you've got a smartphone um, and you're searching through that, you can flip to that translation if you want to read along with what I am Reading today, but let me read out of Ephesians chapter 4. I'm going to be starting in verse 9. It says, Two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them fall down, one can help the other up, but pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. Also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. So obviously there's a ton of talk here about relationship, a ton of talk of the value of having someone in your life, someone that can pick you up, someone that can defend you, someone that's there to keep you warm. My wife would say amen to that because she kicks her freezing cold feet against my leg in the bed at night and I, it just like wakes me up completely, right? And so like there's tons of value to having relationship. There's tons of value to having community. And so I'll have two thoughts today that I want to talk to you about, about friendship as we look at this scripture. And the first of those is that a friend is there to help you up. The first thought is a friend is there to help you up. If we look at the first part of what we read, it says two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them fall down, one can help the other up. Now, this is very easy for us to visualize, right? If two people are walking down the side of the road and one falls down, it's great to have someone there that can reach over and that can pick you up, right? Like we all want that in our lives. Sometimes I fall down and I need somebody there to help me up. And so when we look at this and we look at our lives, it's really difficult for us sometimes to even think about what does that look like? What does it look like to actually fall down? I don't fall down a lot. I don't trip a lot and fall. Some people do. And if that's you, that's okay. But like, I don't fall a lot. And so I don't necessarily need somebody to pick me up when I trip very often in my life. I'm capable of getting up myself. So what is this talking about? I think that this scripture is talking about when life gets tough. I think it's talking about when things happen in our lives and we feel defeated, that when we feel down, that we feel discouraged, 
that it, having someone there that can lift me up, that can having someone there that can encourage me, to having someone there that, that can pick me up and help me dust off. Several weeks back, we had a funeral here at the church. And, and it was an incredible service celebrating an incredible life lived. And, and the family was here, and it was just, it was a beautiful celebration of life. And a part of that, as I was here, and I was here for the family, is as I watched people come in, and there were tons of people that came to celebrate this life, there were people that were coming in that, that didn't necessarily know this man that had passed away, but they knew the family. And as I saw some people walking, I was like, man, I didn't realize they were close to the family. And someone told me, well, they're in their G group. And I was like, wow, that's awesome. That's so cool that they came out. And then I saw another couple come up, and now it was in my mind. I was like, they're in their G group too. And then another family walked up, and I'm like, man, they're also in their G group. And before the service started, I realized that every single person that was in this couple's G group was here at the funeral because that's the power of community, right? It's when, when things happen, when we get into the worst moments of life, when we feel defeated, when we feel beat down, when we feel discouraged, man, I'm going to show up for you. And I'm going to be there for you. I'm going to be there when life has the worst moments because that's what the power of community is. It's to have someone that when I'm down and I don't feel like I have the power to get up, they're coming up behind me and they're saying, I got you. It's when I'm down and I feel like I just, I just need someone to sit with me. They're going to sit with me for a minute and they're going to sit down in that mud right beside me, but then they're going to eventually say, hey, we got to get up and keep moving. You can't stay here. There's a powerful story found in the Gospels, in Luke chapter five. It's one of my favorite stories. I've preached on it before. I asked Pastor Jeremy if I could preach on it again. He said I couldn't. But I'm gonna go there anyway for just a second. There's a story found in Luke chapter five of a man. He's laying on the side of the road and not far from where he's laying, he's a lame man. He can't walk. It's Jesus teaching in a house. And Jesus is in this house and the house is just packed full of people and there's people pressed up against the door and the windows and all around the house just trying to hear a word that Jesus has to say. And a group of guys walks by and the lame man knows if I can just get to Jesus, I can get my miracle. And so this group of guys, he asks them, hey, can y'all help me? And so they come and each of them grab a corner of this lame man's mat and they carry him to Jesus and they try to get in the house and they can't get in the house. And so they come up with this crazy idea to go up on the roof and cut a hole in the roof and dig through the roof. And then they're gonna tie the man's mat to a rope and they're gonna lower him down into the middle of the room right at the feet of Jesus so that this guy can get to Jesus and they do that. And the guy gets, and he's now laying at the feet of Jesus. And Jesus says, hey, I want you to take your mat. I want you to stand up, and I want you to go. And he heals him. And it's amazing. There's so many incredible, I love that story. It's one of my favorite stories in the gospel. And there's tons of incredible things built into that one story. But isn't that what each and every one of us need in our lives? If we're really honest, there's some times that we feel like we're the lame man laying on the side of the road and we don't feel like we have the energy to move forward, right? We feel like life is too heavy. We feel like things are too oppressive. We don't know what to do. We've had a bad report. We've had something happen at work, whatever it may be. And what if you had a G group? What if you had a group of people? What if you had a community of people that were willing to do whatever it took to help you? to come alongside of you and to pick you up when you're down and say, hey, we got this together. I've got a group of friends that I've had for a long time. And I can remember when I was in high school, my mom got diagnosed with breast cancer. And I can remember the weight of that. And as a high schooler, you don't ever really know like what anything means, right? Like we all thought we were super smart in high school. You don't know anything. 
And I didn't know how life worked. And obviously, like, you know, when you get kind of news like that in high, as a high schooler, like your mind immediately goes to worst case scenarios, right? And so I can remember that was happening. And I can remember these thoughts that I was having. And I had a group of friends that just kind of surrounded me. And man, they'd pray with me when I wanted to pray. They'd listen to me when I just wanted to be mad. They'd cry with me when I wanted to cry. They'd laugh with me when I wanted to laugh. Man, they'd still pick on me. They'd still treat me like I was normal. They'd allow me to go and to have a moment to get away from it all, right? And man, I cherish those relationships to this day. I still cherish those relationships because of what happened in those moments when I felt like I was sitting on the side of the road and couldn't. To this day, one of them live in Hawaii right now. And I'm not kidding when I say if he called me in between services and said, Trevor, I need you to come to Hawaii. I'd tell Pastor Jeremy, I can't preach the second service because I'm getting on a plane and I'm going to Hawaii. Because it's community. It's having people that have your back. It's having people that have your back. And it's vice versa, right? I got you, you got me. And what if every single one of us had people that we surrounded ourselves with that said, man, I gotta have people to do life with. I gotta have somebody that's willing to come alongside of me and help me up, right? The second thought from friendship, the first is a friend's there to help you up. The second thought is a friend is there to defend you. Ecclesiastes chapter four, verse 12, it said, the one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. The second thought is a friend is there to defend you. If I look at scripture and I look at examples of what it looks like to have community, to have relationship. And I even look at like, even trying to get more specific, like what are, what are small groups that took place? What are G groups that took place in the Bible? To me, and this sounds kind of corny and that's okay, I'm gonna say it anyway. I feel like one of the first small groups was Jesus's disciples, right? Like Jesus found 12 guys that he's like, hey, I'm gonna do life with these 12 guys and I'm gonna pray with them and I'm gonna share meals with them and we're gonna do ministry together. Like it was Jesus's small group. I don't know that he called it a G group. I don't know that he took attendance, like we take attendance and like kept up and if you missed a week, like I don't know if he's like, Peter, you missed group last night. Like where were you? I don't know that that happened. But I feel like this was kind of like the first like community group that I can find in scripture. Now there's even other times like David and Jonathan in the Old Testament is one of the greatest examples of friendship in the Bible. It's amazing. You need to go read that story. But Jesus had these disciples and I love Peter for so many reasons in scripture. He's, he's an incredible person to, to, to study and to look at because Peter's kind of a hothead. He really is, like he's gonna kind of just fly off the rails and there comes the time when Jesus is being arrested and they know that he's gonna be taken to his death. And the, the, the guys come, the soldiers come, they arrest Jesus and what does crazy Peter do? He's gonna go and he's gonna defend Jesus, right? Like Jesus needs us to defend him. And so he goes and he grabs a sword from one of the soldiers and he goes and he chops the guy's ear off. Like, this is Peter. This is crazy fly off the handles, Peter, that I'm gonna go and I got Jesus' back no matter what. Like, he couldn't have been thinking, like, what's the repercussion of this? Like, I do this, like, they're still gonna overpower me, but he does it anyway. Like, don't we all wish we had a friend like Peter? Like, someone that's willing to go to any length to say, I have your back no matter what. When I was a kid, this may come as a surprise to you, when I was a kid, I was not a large child. I was small. I know, I'm so tall now, I'm so big. I get it, it's so shocking that I was a little, I was tiny. 
I was a short little skinny kid. And my two biggest problems being that way is I was always running my mouth. I was always like, my mouth got me in so much trouble because like, even though I wasn't like that, that big, man, I was cocky. And I know, I think God, the Lord's done a work in me. I'm not that way at all now. And so like, I could just like run my mouth and I'd be playing games and like, I'd talk trash and I'm like, I can't back this up. I'm terrible at basketball, but I'm gonna talk more trash than anybody else out here. The second problem was, is I wasn't fast. And so I'm a little kid who'd run my mouth and I couldn't outrun anybody. And so I can remember being like third or fourth grade in the church that my family was attending at the time. We had like Wednesday night church and this is old school where the whole family went to church and there was service for adults and then there was boys and girls club. And you remember, you remember that? And you had that and then you had youth group and you didn't get to go to youth group until you were like eighth grade and it was like eighth grade up and that was like the cool kids club. And so I can remember being like third or fourth grade and I don't even remember what I did or what I said. There's no telling. But we were playing a game before church started. And one of the seventh graders, and as a, like a third grader, seventh graders are huge, right? Especially to a little kid. And so I can remember like I had done something and I made this kid mad. And I can remember he came up and he grabbed me by both arms. And I'm like, this is it. Like I've lived my life. I thought I'd make it further than this in life. But this is the moment I go. And so he's got me there. And I can remember that one of my friends turned the corner. And let me tell you about this friend. His name's Nathan. Nathan is crazy. To this day, he's still crazy. Today, he's got this like massive beard and looks a little like crazy eyed. And I love him to death, but he's crazy. And he was crazy then. And he was a big kid and he was just a tough kid and he was kind of a mean kid, but he's one of those like you'd rather have him on your side than not on your side. So I'm gonna stay close to Nathan. And this was the moment that that paid off. The years of my efforts of being close to Nathan was paying off in this moment that Nathan turned this corner and saw this kid that's got me. That's a lot larger and older than me. And Nathan comes running over there and he grabs this kid and he throws him down this hill and breaks his arm. I thought in that moment, I'm like, I've made it. Like, no one can touch me. I've got my bodyguards. Like, I'm invincible. This is incredible. Come at me, anybody. I dare you. Nathan, where you at? You got to stay close to them. (laughs) Now, I'm not saying today at church that you need to go find somebody that'll beat people up for you. That's not what I'm saying. Students in the room, I'm not saying that. Parents in the room, if you have any problems with us, I'd talk to Pastor Aaron after service. But man, isn't it so reassuring when you know you have somebody that has your back? That you know you have somebody that if there's a group of people, you've got one person that you know that you're, they're not going to allow your name to be slandered. That they're going to support you, that they're going to defend you. That man, they're going to pray for you. Isn't it so reassuring when you know you have somebody that's praying for you? I think this is a total tangent. I think one of the biggest lies that Christians say sometimes is the phrase, I'll pray for you. It's an easy out, isn't it? Like someone's talking to you about something. Oh man, I'm so sorry, I'll be praying for you. And the conversation ends, right? The power of G groups is that you have a group of people that have your back. The power of G groups is you have a G group leader that prays for you that encourages you, that builds you up, that lifts you up, that defends you. That I can't promise that they're gonna go beat somebody up for you. I don't want them to, right? That's not what we want here. But that they're gonna love you and they're gonna support you and they're gonna pick you up when you're down. They may even sit in the mud with you for a little bit, but they're not gonna let you stay there. 
And then they're going to offend you and defend you and defend you. I found this story. I thought it was super appropriate for what we were talking about today. So I'm going to read it. It's not long. But it says this. Out of the furnaces of war come many true stories of sacrificial friendship. One such story tells of two friends in World War I who were inseparable. They had enlisted together. They had trained together. They were shipped overseas together. And they fought side by side in the trenches together. During an attack, one of the men was critically wounded in a field filled with barbed wire obstacles, and he was unable to crawl back to his foxhole. The entire area was under a withering enemy crossfire, and it was suicidal to try to reach him. Yet his friend decided to try. Before he could get out of his own trench, his sergeant yanked him back inside and ordered him not to go. He said, it's too late. You can't do any good, and you'll only get yourself killed. A few minutes later, the officer turned his back and instantly the man was gone after his friend. A few minutes later, he staggered back, mortally wounded with his friend, now dead in his arms. The sergeant was both angry and deeply moved and he said, what a waste. He's dead and you're dying. It just wasn't worth it. With almost the last breath, the dying man replied, oh yes, it was, Sarge. When I got to him, The only thing he said was, I knew you'd come, Jim. I don't know where you're at in life. Maybe you have an amazing community. Maybe you have the best group of friends that anybody could ever imagine. But maybe you don't. Maybe if 2020 brought anything to the surface for you, it's that you're really lonely. And that you really wish you had somebody to do life with. And a group of girls to hang out with. And a group of guys to go play golf with. And some people to sit and have a meal with and just laugh and carry on and cut up. But a group of people that are praying for you. That are encouraging you. That are supporting you. That are picking you up. And are defending you. I don't know where you're at. Here's what I know about me. Here's what I believe to be true about all of us. We all need those people. Every one of us. We all need people that we can turn to. We all need people that we can call. And we all need people that are calling us, right? I have four questions to ask you as I prepare to close today. First is this. Who do I have in my life that is drawing me closer to God? Who do you do life with that you're looking and you're saying, I want to model my life. I want to model my relationship after the relationship that they have with God. Who are you looking to that's drawing you closer to God, that's challenging you to open your Bible more, that's challenging you to pray more, to be a better husband, to be a better wife, to be a better mom, to be a better dad, to be a better person? Let me flip that on its head. Who do I have in my life that I'm drawing closer to God? Who are you pulling along? Hey, I'm joining this G group and you need to come with me. Hey, I'm going to this this church thing and I think we may read a Bible and I don't really know, but you need to come. You need to be a part of it. You need this community of people. Who do I have that's drawing me closer to God and who do I have that I'm drawing along? Second question, who do I have in my life that's encouraging me? And so many times in our life, we turn corners and we go face to face with things that are so discouraging and so negative 
and so defeating and so overwhelming. And who in your life do you get to sit down and have breakfast with at a G group that's just building you up? Man, you're incredible. Man, you're doing so great in this. How's work going? Man, I bet you're killing it. You're such a great mom. You're doing an awesome job. Who do you have that's encouraging you, that's building you up, that's lifting you up? And then the the reverse of that is, who do I have in my life that I'm encouraging? So who is pulling me closer to God? Who am I pulling along with me? And who's encouraging me? And who am I encouraging? Who are you breathing life into? Are you a life-giving person? Or do you walk in and just suck the life out of a room to talk about all the negatives of life? I encourage you to be a life-giving person. Be someone that's encouraging people, that's lifting them up, that's building them up. Today, in just a moment, Pastor Jeremy, like I said, is going to give some instructions, so I'm not going to jump into that. But you're going to have the opportunity to go out into this lobby, and you're going to meet some G group leaders. And you may not meet the G group leader of the group that you're going to lead, but they're going to be able to be your guide to help you get connected to a group. Here's the challenge that I have for every single one of us today, and in a moment we're going to pray. And as I pray, I want you to pray, God, give me boldness to find community. God, give me courage to step out of my comfort zone and to be willing to go sit in a Cracker Barrel on a Tuesday morning or in a church on a Sunday night or in someone's home on a Saturday night and doing dinner or going to play top golf with a couple of couples on a Friday night. Give me the boldness to step out and to have community because, God, it's important. I need it in my life. That's the prayer I'm going to ask you to pray in just a moment. So with every head bowed, With every eye closed, first and foremost, I want to give you the opportunity today, if you've never done so, to enter into the greatest relationship you could ever enter into, and that's a relationship with Jesus Christ. God sent his son about 2,000 years ago to die on a cross for your sins and for mine so that we can have relationship with God and then spend eternal life with Jesus. And today, if you say, I want the best relationship, the best friend, the best relationship I can ever have, I just want you to lift your hand, and you can put it right back down if today you want to enter into that. Thank you. The second thing is, is today, I'm not going to ask you to lift your hand, but I just want you to internally just, just reflect upon what your life is, and I want you to ask yourself those questions. Who's drawing me closer to God? Who am I drawing closer? Who's encouraging me? Who am I encouraging? Maybe for you, you say the next step I need to take is to enter into a G group, is to enter into community with other people, and so today, we want to make that step. So as I pray for those that have entered a relationship with Jesus today, and as I pray for you to be emboldened to go and to say, I'm gonna step out of my comfort zone and into a group, let's all pray together. God, we love you. God, we thank you. God, I pray for anybody in this room, anybody watching online, whether they raise their hand or not, and they say, today is the day that I wanna enter into the best relationship I could ever have the greatest decision I could ever make, and I want to enter into a relationship with Jesus. God, I pray for them. God, let them know that they are forgiven of their sins, that you want to come and be the Lord and Savior of my life. And God, Scripture tells us that when just one person makes that decision, it says all of heaven celebrates. And so God, as we take your holy Scripture and we use it as our how-to guide for friendship, God, I pray that every one of us would look at the stories of the David and Jonathan, so that we would look at the stories of the Jesus and his disciples as we look at Ecclesiastes 4 and it talks about having people that are picking us up when we're down and having people that are defending us and God from beginning to end it's just full of relationship and community and connection with people 
And so God, let every single one of us value that. God, let every single one of us take next steps to say, I want to enter into community. I want to enter into relationship with people. God, help next steps to take place today. God, we love you and we thank you. In your name I pray, amen. Thanks again for listening. If today's message was an encouragement to you, we invite you to share it with your friends and family. Maybe subscribe, rate, and review the podcast. It just helps us spread the word about what God's doing here at Generations Church. For more information about the church, visit us at g.church. Have a great day and God bless.